Good evening. Thanks for letting me be here with you tonight. I've been looking forward to, uh, to speaking to this group. I uh, have a real heart for you. A lot of my kids are actually at this age. And as I meet their friends and hear how uh, their lives are met with challenges and victories, I have to admit to you, um, the end of the dating series, it's been a long time since I've dated. <laughs> and I'm going to admit to you right up front, it's a whole different thing for you guys, and I'm going to admit that. I'm not going to stand up here and act like I've got all this saged advice, uh, because when I was your age, and I didn't want to say that very much, but my, uh, well, the reason I want to say that is because I think my generation has really unfairly uh, treated you a little bit, and I kind of apologize for them. Um, and I, th I want you to understand, I think part of the reason that my generation might be kind of hard on you is because our parents were hard on us. It's kind of a, the thing you do, and it's really not very healthy. And, and if you've been hurt by the negative, you know, the, the stereotypes and all that kind of stuff, I really apologize for that. And the reason, the other reason why, though, is they really don't know you very well. And as uh, my kids, you know, are about this age group, and so uh, their friends come over to the house, and I get to know them. And even since I've been here, we've, just, we've only been up here about two months. We moved up from southern Idaho, from uh, Star, from the Boise area. And already I've met people, uh, your age group, that just are, they're just phenomenal. They, they are so impressive to me. And I wish my generation would get to know you more that way. Uh, instead of all the stereotype negative stuff. Like, for instance, Zach Couch. Uh, I've known him for a long time. He hasn't really known me. Uh, I used to resent him like crazy, though, because when our team played them in basketball, he, then nobody could stop him, and I hated that. But uh, he's such a fine young man. It seems like he's becoming a great Christian leader. Uh, Bryce, that was just up here, uh, as I've interacted with him, and he and I have been working on a couple things this last week, uh, the more I interact with him, it, it's amazing to me. I don't, think he, I don't think there's much that he wants more than for all of you to know Jesus well in a healthy way, not in a shame-filled way. And he really is great to work with. He's been just amazing to work with. I, I wish my generation would focus on, the, or, or, or another one is Mykia. Uh, she is so kind. She is so pleasant. Uh, she's outgoing and she's amazingly talented. And uh, she, I was just wandering around the hallways up there in the in the office building, you know. And she actually introduced herself to me, and uh, and I should have known better. I was I was kind of a, a weirdo. And then, well, another, I mean, I could just go on and on. There's there's more people that I could go on to. You know, Gianna was just up here. I, that that person's amazing. I've watched her, and man, she can crack the whip on volunteers with a smile. I don't know how she does it. She's just amazing. Uh, people like Logan Owens. I mean, when I knew him, he was just a little kid. And uh, he's a big, tough, hardworking man who still loves his dad and is in relationship with him. I'm just impressed with him. Riley Tenney. I mean, I could go on and on. But Riley Tenney, I mean, one of the most ministry-minded. I mean, I know old guys my age that aren't as ministry-minded as Riley Tenney. And they're paid to do it. You know? And, and it's like I say, you know, I'm paid to be good. And he's good for nothing. And, and he's better at it, you know, than, than a lot of the guys I work with. So I get to wrap up your dating series. And uh, I'm not an expert on your dating scene. I, I'm not even going to pretend to be an expert on your dating scene. I, I would share with you, as I was thinking back about my dating years, I, I got to be honest with you, most of the advice and even some I'm going to share with you tonight that I received in no way prepared me to find 
uh, a wife or even just to find a good relationship with, with, with a girl. Uh, th- this is the kind of advice I got, and you, you probably never heard this. This is old school stuff now, but w- when I was a young adult, the kind of advice we got was here, this was a great one. Don't drink, smoke, or chew, nor go with girls that do. I mean, I'm in Southern Idaho. Every girl chews. That was, what, I couldn't date anybody. Uh, here was another one. Uh, nothing good happens after midnight. Uh, I, I guess that's true, but I mean, what do you do like when there's a lock-in? I don't even know what that meant. Nothing good happens after midnight. You know, was that, like, would I turn into a pumpkin or what? <laughs> and, and so here we are, we're sitting in the chairs like you and we're like, oh, oh tell us great wise people, you know, nothing good happens after midnight or whatever. I don't, I don't know what... Uh, um, here was a piece of advice that uh, has really backfired uh, since then. It was given to me, uh, and it kind of worked when I was your age, but boy, it, don't, it doesn't work now. Is uh, When you have a nice date, like maybe it's, you know, whatever you go to, the prom or some special event or a night out, you have a nice date. Girls love it when you write them a very nice thank you card afterwards. Yeah, I see you're laughing. They told, that was supposed to be good advice when I was your age, you know, and now if you do that, you're a creeper right? But, but there was one piece of advice that we got that was supposed to be biblical and it was wrong. Uh, it, it, it was confusing. It seemed right, but it was wrong. And uh, it, it, to be honest with you, it did a lot of damage with people that I grew up with that were dating and trying to find a, you know, a spouse and start a family and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I brought my markers So you could see, this was the piece of advice, okay? Here it is. And if you can see there in the back. I should have made a slide for this, but I like drawing the diagram. So here's a triangle. And at the top of the triangle is God. And then then over here is a a young man or a, a young woman. And over here is a young man. Uh, looking uh, for a relationship. And here's what they told us. They said, okay, so the key to finding somebody, because the theme is, uh, uh, don't be, the theme for tonight is don't be so worried about somebody else's attributes. Be worried about your own. Be the best you can be so that you can find somebody and be appropriate for that. So the, the idea was, is so here, here I am and, and here she is. And if we would both, instead of focusing on each other, because that's all lust and nasty, which isn't true. It's not all lust and nasty, but that's the way they told us. That if we would work on our relationship with God, and, and if we found somebody and we would work on our relationship with God together, well, this line, as, as you move up the triangle, this line gets shorter and shorter, and you can, you can experience real unity, real unity. Now, you know, you look at that and you think, well, that kind of makes sense, Bill. Well, no, this doesn't work. I'll give you a couple reasons why it didn't work. Here's the big reason why this does not work for relationships. And, and, and just kind of entertain me here for a second. Um, when God created the universe, and, and some of you, I don't know, you're, you've studied biology and 
and physics. When God created the universe, when you start dialing down or when you start dialing out to the universe or down to microbiology, the amazing design is overwhelming. So overwhelming now, as you know, that there are scientists who are not necessarily becoming Christians, but they're saying there's no way that this could have happened. This, this couldn't just happen. They call it intelligent design. But it's almost like people think, and, and even Christians think, they think that God, this amazing, intricate network of things that he's put together, but when it comes to relationship, he kind of just put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, hey, figure it out for yourself. Now, why in the world would God spend that much time designing a universe and then have no design for a relationship? It would seem like the relationship's far more important than your microbiology. So one of the reasons this didn't help us is because Jesus never taught this. This isn't really biblical. I mean, you can kind of make some biblical inferences from it, but Jesus never drew a triangle in the sand and brought the apostles over and said, now let me show you how uh, 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 people can come together to find a relationship that, that's longer than just a casual relationship, becomes a family, becomes a man and wife. Jesus never drew a triangle. So there's the first reason this is wrong, because Jesus never taught this. And I'm always suspect of anything that people are say is Christian, but I can't find it in the Bible. Let me tell you the other reason this is wrong that we found out. And I'm not kidding you guys. I found this out again and again and again and again. So we'd go to a retreat or we'd go to a camp or it might be a youth group and guy meets girl, you know, and somebody shares this with them. And so, okay. And this is what would happen. It's like, okay, if you guys are serious, like even premarital, but if you're serious about a, a relationship that's really God oriented, then what you need to do is, and we, they draw the triangle for us. And this is what happened almost every time. The next week or two weeks later, we'd get back and we'd be talking to that person. And, and typically, uh, the girl, um, she, she got a new Bible. Um, she's got a prayer journal. Um, she'd memorized some scriptures. She's way up here. Man, she's spiritual. We, we'd come and sit down and she'd go, oh man, I... The Lord really showed me this in scripture. And last night while I was praying, I prayed clear till 1130. And you're just like, wow, that's great. And the guy would show up and he just found his Bible. <laughs> Which actually for guys, that was a pretty good thing. But the reason this didn't work in relationships is because now she's more spiritual than he is. And the relationship kind of takes on a a flavor of shame or, you know, I'm kind of more spiritual than you. If you could just be as spiritual as me. And the guy's down here, he's trying the best he can. He didn't even want to read, okay? He would rather listen to the Bible where there's nothing wrong with listening to the Bible. If you're driving a tractor, you can't read your Bible, but you can sure listen to it, right? And so here he is, he's feeling all down and he's not spiritual and she's up there. And you know what? It didn't work. It didn't work. If anything, when a couple came and tried to use this approach, uh, it, it ended up breaking up relationships more than it, than it put relationships together. Yeah. Well, here's the other one. I found this one out in Bible college. This was where, you know, in Bible college, people are, you know, I mean, you go to Bible college for a lot of reasons, but hopefully you're going to, because you want to learn the Bible and serve the Lord. And so in Bible college, they draw this same di diagram for us in Bible college. And so... You know, the guy, he had to find his Bible because he had to have one to go to class. And um, 
we actually had uh, uh, all-night prayer vigils, so you, he'd go to that. He might be in a men's group, you know, the guys that he's translating Greek with or whatever, you know, and so they're memorizing scripture. So he, he's moving right up there. And, of course, she's going through the same thing. She's moving right up there. And, boy, lo and behold, they find themselves there right up here. I mean, they have solid, quiet times. Uh, the, 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 they love the Lord. Their prayer life is strong. And this diagram gave us the idea then, so we need to be doing that stuff together. Because if you're really going to become the couple that God wants you to be, then she, she, her relationship with the Lord's growing. Your relationship with the Lord's growing. Right around in here, you start reading your devotions together. Right about here, you start memorizing scripture together. Right about here, you start praying together more than just God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, amen. And then right about here, you start making out. <laughs> I, I, mean, I know that sounds funny, but I'm telling you the truth. Right, right about here, you start making out. Right about here, you start having sex. Listen to a married guy, an old married guy. I mean, sex is very intimate, obviously, and I know the world, we could go on that forever. Who cares anymore? I don't even care. Uh, godly sex is very intimate. It's not like what we see in the movies. You know what else is really intimate? It's my relationship with Jesus. Some of the most intimate times with anybody on the face of the planet that I have with the Lord is with my wife. And so this was bad advice because it set us up for failure because spiritual intimacy is supposed to be companion with physical intimacy. You see what I'm saying? So this kind of, and of course, when, when now, now when you're in Bible college and you're having sex, or at least you're making out, or you get caught doing heavy petting, well, now you're in trouble and everybody's wondering, were you spiritual at all? And everybody's mixed up. You know why? Because this isn't in the Bible. That, that's not how you prepare yourself for a relationship with somebody else. Let me tell you what is in the Bible, okay? First verse, why don't we throw that first verse up there? This is out of John chapter 17. And the reason I'm going with this verse first is because I want you to see the end and then we'll work into the end. We'll work into it. So the end goal here, this is in the middle of Jesus's high priestly prayer. They're all up in the upper room. Jesus has just washed their feet. And he says this toward the end of his high priestly prayer. All the stuff he's been teaching and then he's been praying has been leading to this statement that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, again, I'm the marriage and family guy. I could go on for an hour about how marriage, the goal and, and purpose of marriage in God's mind, yes, intimacy, yes, kids, yes, companionship, but if you actually read the whole Bible, not just little verses here and there, you'll discover that marriage was created so that people could look at a relationship on earth and understand what the love of God was for his covenant people. That's why all through the Old Testament, it's God married to Israel, and all through the New Testament, ending in Revelation, it's Jesus married to the church. You with me? 
I lost you. Oh, okay. So that verse, go ahead and throw it back up there. Jesus is saying that the goal is that they would be one. And we're not talking about one flesh there. This isn't a marriage passage, but it is a relationship passage. That they would be one, that they would be unified, that they would be in sync, that they'd be aligned. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, the Holy Spirit actually going to dwell inside of this relationship, not just this person, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. God, his original plan was, his design has been that people would look at marriages and discover how much God loves them. So the precursor to that plan was that people would look at your relationships and even more so your relationship between a guy and a gal and who are getting serious about each other and they would see the love of God. Hmm. All right, so how do we get there? Well, the first thing is, I wanna give you three tools. And the first tool, I call it the tool of discarding. And, and it's a real simple tool. Don't believe stuff like that. If it's not in the Bible, test it with the word of God. Talk to somebody who knows Jesus. Discard all the propaganda that you've been taught. And, and I've been taught too. Um, uh, the movies, the media, uh, this idea of soulmate, which is deceptively wrong because I, now I'm, I'm the marriage and family guy. I've got people coming to me and they got married and they were all Twitter-pated and they really loved each other and they wanted to get married. And now seven years later, after a couple kids, he or she is saying, she's not my soulmate because they've believed a lie about marriage. Discard all that stuff. The first tool is clear the slate of any worldly or ungodly wisdom or advice or even psychobabble that you've been given about finding someone to spend the rest of your life with. There's your first tool, discard that. Here's the second tool. Let's go back to John 15. Let's back up from that oneness passage. In John 15, Jesus says this, and again, he's in the upper room. He says, I am the vine, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, believe it or not, because Jesus is an amazing teacher, every time he teaches, it's so multifaceted. But believe it or not, this is a relationship passage as well. It's not just about your personal relationship with Jesus, abiding, and I get that. See, Jesus didn't say the triangle. Jesus said, this is how to find that unity that we just read about in John 17. So here's this. I'm not very good at drawing this, but I like trying. Hey, this is a good one. I'm going to keep this one. Look at that. <laughs> That's not a green snake. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a grapevine. See the little branches that come off here? And, and they're bearing grapes. These are green grapes, not concord. They're all kind of hanging down, aren't they? It actually looks like a centipede with scabies, but it's, you see where I'm going with this. 
Jesus said, don't use the triangle because the triangle is actually dangerous. He didn't say use the triangle. Jesus said this, here's how you find unity. Here's how you can build relationship with someone else and possibly somebody that you're going to spend the rest of your life is. He says, focus on the vine. Focus on the vine. That doesn't mean become a monk. It doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean uh, uh, you sequester yourself and you're so holy nobody can climb up the mountain and meet you. It's the word abide. Here's your second tool is abide. This is actually a tool for relationship. And you know why? If you think about it, it's pretty obvious. I'm, I'm kind of master of the obvious tonight here. But why is abide a tool for relationship? Because that's what abide is. It's a relationship. If I abide in Christ, I talk to him like he's real. And not like he's real like Barney the dinosaur, like he's real, the son of God. If I abide in Jesus, I listen to him. I hear from him through his word. I hear of him through the messages and teaching that I hear. Uh, the Holy Spirit uses friends of mine who love the Lord too to speak into my life and they're speaking the words of Jesus. Abide is a relationship. And Jesus says, see the triangle doesn't work because it turns into some kind of competition. Jesus says, don't worry about him. Don't worry about her right now. Abide, abide. Now, now I don't, I don't want to set this up. Don't go crazy on me. It's like, oh man, I need a boyfriend. I got to go home and pray more tonight. Abide, 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 abide. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Come on, you're with me, right? Jesus Christ, my friend and yours. Jesus Christ, my Lord and yours. Jesus Christ, my God and yours. He is ready to talk to you, to reveal things to you, and to clean you up. And here's what I like so much about Jesus. Jesus is not just this kind of uh, um, churchy uh, discussion leader. Jesus Christ is in the ministry of restoring you and restoring me back to what we should have been if we'd have never sinned. Adam was cool. Before the, before the fall, Adam was cool. Adam and Eve's relationship before the fall, because anytime, I mean, I don't know what their day was like, but anytime Adam and Eve got confused about something or, you know, what, you know, she likes decorative towels, what's that all about? God would show up at night and he would walk them through that. And their relationship was amazing. And the ministry of Jesus Christ is not just to save us from hell. Because for a lot of us, where's hell anyway? Is that Southern Idaho? Where is that? Jesus came so that we could be reconciled to him and be restored to who we were supposed to be in the first place. And man, when he starts talking to us, well, what happens? You know, right now, I'll, I'll be real transparent with you. Right now, he's talking to me about my eating habits and my weight. I'm getting old. I don't want my wife to be a widow. And Jesus is talking to me about that. Not, you know, some fruity ad on the Facebook. And it's like, it's... and. It, it, and you know how he does it. I mean, it's like, it comes up here, it comes up there, it comes up there. And then my wife, I say, honey, this and that. And then I read this in my quiet time and I'm thinking, I, I gotta pay a little more. Day. And she just goes, yeah, I've been telling you that for 20 years, you know, crying out loud, you know. It's the Lord. Jesus wants to restore us 
body, soul, and spirit. Jesus wants to restore us so that we are physically healthy, so that we are mentally healthy, and so that we are relationally healthy. And it all comes from abide, because abide is about relationship. So your first tool is discard. Say that out loud with me, discard. I can't see your faces, so I don't know if you're asleep or not. Say discard again. Yeah, discard all that stuff. You want a tool to find that, that other? Discard all the nonsense. The, you know, and I know the movies are good. I love Tom Cruise, but man, he's not done so good in marriage. Anyway, uh, and then the second tool is to abide. Here's the third tool. And we won't read the verse again, but you saw in that verse, he says, my father is the vine dresser. And what does a vine dresser do? Here's tool number two. A vine dresser prunes. Ouch. But a vine dresser doesn't prune because he's evil. A vine dresser doesn't prune, vine dresser doesn't prune because he wants to hurt you. A vine presser, a vine dresser prunes, a gardener prunes because he wants you to bear fruit. Now, you probably heard this story before. I told it years ago at Real Life. It just, it just blew my mind. But Rob Chile, who is a missionary in China, in his ministry, they had people in the outer villages and they got a call from one of their people that they discipled who was in one of these villages that needed some help. And so they put together an entourage and they began to travel through China to this city, way, way far away. And he said, they came over the hill and they looked down on this valley and it was vineyards everywhere. Apparently when China was being settled, the French had come to that pocket of China and they had taught them how to grow, grow grapes and make wine and all that stuff. He said they came down the hill and they were going through the streets. And of course, the people saw they were Americans and missionaries and people from out of town. And so the, the, it was right during the grape harvest. And so people were coming to the road with these uh, boxes of grapes and they're trying to sell grapes to Rob. And Rob turned to his assistant and he said, we probably ought to buy some grapes though and take them up. We can encourage the village that we're going to. I'm, I don't, you know, it's further away. They're, they probably don't have access to this. So all these people are going and going and going, you know, and, and what, the, what they're doing is take a sample, take a sample, you know, and he, he, yeah, that's okay, and that's okay, that's okay. He said this one old farmer came up and presented the box to him and uh, had kind of a, not smug, I mean, because if you're a Chinese farmer, I doubt you're smug, but he had kind of an extra confident look on his face. And uh, Rob reached over there and the grapes were big and they were supple and he, he took a grape and he tasted it. And he said, Bill, literally, I just, I just had breakfast with him a couple weeks ago. He's going back to China. He said, uh, um, it was absolutely the best grape I've ever tasted in my life. I couldn't believe it. So he said, well, we want to buy some of yours. But, but he said, I want to talk to this guy. Why, is his grape, why are his grapes so much better than these other grapes? And he finally, the guy didn't want to talk about it. He just wanted to sell grapes. But Rob walked, walked with him and got off into kind of a, in between some houses over here. And he asked him in Chinese and Mandarin, he says, uh, he says, your grapes are significantly better than all these other people's grapes. Why is that? This is what the guy said. Now get this, get the whole thing. He says, the vine that those grapes came off of has been in my family for 100 years. We have been pruning that vine 
to produce these grapes. Because he says, all those other people he's out there, he says, yeah, he says, they all think it's about the grape, but it's about the vine. That's what makes a good grape. Why? Because we prune. See, the heavenly father, and, and I don't know what your pruning looks like. I, I, I know what mine looks like. And sometimes it's kind of a spanking. It might get you got caught doing something that you shouldn't have done. Well, yeah, I know that's a bummer and it's embarrassing, but that's, that's a loving heavenly father pruning you. Something you said uh, to somebody about somebody else as he came back to bite you and you're like, ah, you know, whatever. But that's actually the heavenly father pruning you. He loves us so much that he wants us to bear fruit. And if we abide in Christ, it's an invitation for him to prune us. And he's not pruning us to hurt us or to thwart us or to punish us. He's pruning us so that we can, and here's the conclusion for my message, bear fruit. And Jesus says, if you read John 15, he says that they would bear much fruit. Not just fruit, not just, ah, that tastes okay. He's saying the grapes were Rob Chili goes, whoa, my, that's the best grape I've ever tasted in my life. Never before and never since had he tasted a grape that good. And the fruit that you've been talking about for several weeks here is the fruit of relationships. Jesus goes on to say in this same section, they will know that, that you are followers of mine by the way that you have relationships with each other. He says, by the way you love each other. So yeah, try and become the person that someone would want to be in relationship with. Absolutely, but don't just try hard by yourself. I've never seen a grapevine go, mm, grapes. <laughs> they don't do that. If you feed the vine and you prune the vine, grapes just happen, man. If you remain in Christ, if you discard all that nonsense, man, I, a lot of guys got in trouble over that. I'm not kidding you. I mean, it's funny when I say it. It ain't funny when it's happening in front of you. Two people that everybody respects at Bible college are now leaving the school because somebody's pregnant. And, it, and we worked it out, you know, whatever. But it is rough. Discard that stuff. And abide in the vine. Not so you can be more spiritual than everybody, because as soon as you're doing that, you're actually abiding in yourself. You don't know it. If you come away from your quiet time thinking, man, I'm a man of God. <laughs> you didn't have a quiet time. You had a self-reflection session is what you had. And let him prune you. He prune, and I, I, I can't say this any more serious to you, because I'm dealing with the marriages that aren't working. I can't say this any more serious to you. The more you get pruned now, the less you're gonna get pruned later. Now, my wife's a good pruner. I, I, I would not know Jesus the way I do now if I weren't married to Jill. I don't care. I mean, Billy Graham himself could have discipled me. He's not as good as Jill Krause. It's the way it works. But the more you prune now and get restored to who you're supposed to be, you'll find that person. And you're gonna be looking for somebody who's connected to the vine not somebody who's climbing up a triangle. That make any sense? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this group and that in this room are the leaders 
current leaders, members of the church, active members of our body here. These are the leaders that are going to take my grandkids uh, into the next generation. These are the leaders that are going to have to stand up for truth when truth is not popular. These are the leaders whose marriages are going to be tried and tested by the fire of culture. And they serve a great God. You are God. Your Holy Spirit's in this room. The blood of your son is all over this place so that you could look at us with pleasure. So help us, you know, as we're abiding and being pruned, we, we're going to have to discard some stuff that we believed about sex and relationship and communication and, and uh, finances. We're going to have to discard some of that so that we can be restored to who you want us to be. And Lord, just, 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 just asking, would more solid marriages come out of this group than have ever come out of this church before? And I pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Thank you. Amen.